You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. A lot has happened since we talked. The Packers are going to be in a position that they haven't been in since 2008, and that is Dom Capers is not going to be the defensive coordinator. And they're going to be in a position that they haven't been in since 2005, in that Ted Thompson will no longer be the general manager. These are two things that I have prepped you for, that we have discussed. We knew the Dom Capers news was was coming down the pike. We talked about it yesterday. And that the reports were that he was likely out. That was that was assumed. The Ted Thompson transition is what they're calling it. I, I did talk about it and I said I think there's about a 50-50 chance it happens. Which was I think more than, than what most people were saying. It, that is going to be what we get. And we don't know any more information at this point. They're going to go through a process. Mark Murphy is going to allocate new roles for those in the front office, and there will be a new GM. At Initial reports made it seem like there may just be a front office restructuring, Thompson would stay on, and the guys who are already there, Elliot Wolf, Brian Gutekinst, Russ Ball, Alonzo Highsmith, that, that there would just be a reallocation of resources and maybe you know, maybe someone would be sort of de facto in charge, but they wouldn't be a GM per se, or and maybe they would have this new progressive organizational structure. That will not be the case. The GM is going to is going to be someone, and whether it will be someone that's already in the front office, we just don't know at this point. They have four really good and capable candidates. And there were there were conflicting reports about who the favorite is. There was some, you know, some word that it would be Ball, some word that it would be it would be Gutekinst, and the the general consensus is that it, it's likely to be Wolf. And so, who are we supposed to believe here? And Alonzo Highsmith was on a watch list for potential GM candidates before all of this happened. I think he will be in demand around the league for GM openings. Now, now, a number of coaches were fired in, in the NFC and around the league on Monday. Bruce Arians decided to retire. John Fox was fired. We don't know the situations of, of GMs in some of these openings that we expect to, to have, although it seems like many fewer GMs are going to get the axe than, than coaches did. So maybe there'll be fewer opportunities than, than maybe it would have seemed maybe a week or two ago, but... Green Bay is going to have an important decision to make. That goes without saying. That's the obvious part. So do they potentially lose? I think there is there is some amount of weighing the pros and cons here. If they promote someone from within, 
what kind of domino effect does that have? If they bring someone from a different team in, what sort of domino effect does that have? Obviously, these are four highly sought after, highly respected personnel people in in and around the league. How do the Packers weigh that? Obviously, Green Bay has to pick the best candidate, but there is a, a cost to these things. And so let's say Elliot Wolf gets promoted. All four of these guys have to believe that they're the most qualified candidate. And it's possible that they turn down opportunities or did not interview or were, were waiting in, in some form or fashion, holding out hope that they would get this job. And perhaps if they don't, if that opportunity is finally taken, does that incentivize them to move on? And whether it's for a GM role or, or just a, a more senior front office role on another team, does a new GM cost the Packers people that are on the staff now? And I think the reality is no matter who they pick, that will be the case. Because, again, these are four guys who all believe that they should be the next GM, probably. And so I think Green Bay can't worry too much about, about the, the trickle-down effects. But I think it will, it will be something that they think about and what the staff could continue to look like moving forward, what the working relationships are here, and, and what the long-term plan is. How will it change the way Green Bay operates? We don't know. Now, I, I mentioned on Twitter that Thompson protégés and people that have been in the organization for a long time that got GM jobs, I'm thinking Reggie McKenzie, John Dorsey, John Schneider, etc., they have not operated the same way that Ted Thompson has. They've been more aggressive in free agency with trades, etc. And so the idea that Green Bay can't promote from within the, the front office without maintaining the, the, a dangerous amount of status quo, I don't think that's fair. I think, I think it is not a, a front office mandate. It is not a Mark Murphy mandate because the Packers obviously don't have an ownership group. That that money is not allocated to free agents. That's a Ted Thompson thing. And certainly these, these other candidates are going to have a different way of viewing it. And so I do think that the expectation should be that while I don't expect the Packers to suddenly become the prime Dan Snyder Washington team, and, and spend, you know, tens of millions every offseason, I do think a change would reinvigorate Green Bay's participation in free agency. And that's not to say that they're going to go out and sign a bunch of big-name players, but it may make them a little bit more aggressive in going after maybe some of the top, the top guys. Now, they've been, you know, in the Mike Sherman era, they did that, and they got burned by it a lot. Most teams get burned by it. Finding players is hard. And free agency is a gamble. So I don't expect a huge change in culture, but I, I, I understand some of the criticisms about stasis with Thompson. And we'll get to his legacy. That's something we'll discuss more in the coming weeks and days. We're going to talk about it later on the show. But there, there is a culture here, and I think the culture will be maintained. I think it will still be a draft and develop team. I still think that's a cornerstone. And so we'll have to wait and see who the new GM is before we can make any sort of sweeping or final decisions on on what we expect the direction and the change to be, if at all. Now, one name that I that I want to put out there 
that is possible in, in this situation is former Packer front office man, John Schneider, who is the current front office head in Seattle, though he does not have final say on the roster. Pete Carroll does. And so if the Packers offered him a GM role or a senior VP role, some sort of role that is, that is a title change, and all the titles are all arbitrary anyway, and gave him final roster say, those kinds of things, that would be a, a, a promotion in the front office and Seattle would not be able to block him. Now, he does not have an out in his contract for the Packers, which is what he, he told reporters after he signed the extension through 2021, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't take a job that offered him more responsibilities. At least that's my understanding of it. And if that changes, obviously I'll relay that. And and if I'm wrong, we'll see. I, I, that's my understanding of it at this point. He is, he is from the Green Bay area, obviously worked with Ted Thompson. He has said outright that he, he would love to, to have the job in the past. I do think it would be intriguing, especially with the specter of Pete Carroll. He, he, there was questions about whether or not he would retire. This, this Seattle defense is falling apart. They're, they're, they weren't healthy this year. They still won a bunch of games. But what is their future there? Who knows? Is the Legion of Boom the Legion of Swoon? Who knows? And does that affect his decision? And does he think, well, let me go try and win a title in Green Bay? Because he has the opportunity to help build that. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. It would get you access to fantasy projections, NFL draft coverage, all sorts of player grades, snap counts, tools, charts, and um, uh, the mountains of data that Pro Football Focus has behind their paywall. It could be yours for free. All you need to do to enter the giveaway, put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. It is that easy. Now, working backward in the the news cycle, it was uh, announced Monday that Dom Capers is officially out as defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Mike Turgovac, the defensive line coach, and Scott McCurley, the inside linebackers coach, also out. And so what does this mean moving forward? Now, there were multiple reports that Mike McCarthy will consider in-house candidates. One of the names mentioned was Darren Perry. He's the safeties coach. He, he has been mentioned before as a possible defensive coordinator and... He's a former player. He is he is seen as an ascending coach. How much his his off the field issue with the DUI affects his status there, I don't know. I think it's hard to know, but he is a very well respected coach. And we don't know what a defense run by him would look like. And so it's hard for me to say in any direction if that would be a good move or a bad move. Winston Moss could be another promotion candidate, the linebacker's assistant head coach. And Joe Witt, the cornerback's coach, are also possible in-house candidates and have been names mentioned. And and Winston Moss has interviewed for uh, uh, defensive coordinator jobs in the past. So I think those are three viable candidates. I think they'll be, they'll be given the opportunity to present their case to McCarthy to run this defense. Unlike the front office, I just don't think that's a tenable solution. They just can't do that. 
I think one of the reasons why you, you see Ted Thompson's role being changed, he's getting up there in age. They have a ton of qualified candidates that they can bring in that they risk losing. And Thompson can remain as in an advisory capacity for the next however many years. Green Bay doesn't have that with their coaching staff. Moss, Witt, Perry, they're good coaches. They're respected coaches. They are not guys that you have to hire because you're so worried about losing them. They're just not. Or at least we don't think they are. Now, Mike McCarthy, obviously, he's in the meeting rooms with them. He's He works side by side with them every day for the last few years. And so he obviously has a better feel for that than I do. But there is certainly not a feeling around the league that these guys are are can't miss or must have coaches. So I think... I think a lot of Packer fans would be really disappointed if that's what they do. And I just I just think with the way that this offseason is already taking shape, you have the contracts getting done, you have the major front office shakeup, and multiple coach firings, it is hard for me to believe that a offseason that has already been so tumultuous ends up with, well, we're just going to promote the defensive coordinator. I find that really hard to believe that that would be the tact that they would take. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't, but I think this team organizationally realizes that the window is closing. And maybe it's not closing, but that they need to they need to act with some urgency. They need to fight complacency. I mentioned yesterday, sometimes you just need a kick in the ass. That's what this is. And so to bring in and promote from within a, a coach that was already on the staff that just was mired in mediocrity to, to frankly, to, to sub-mediocrity and to, and to bad play. I don't think that fits. It's incongruous with the direction that they seem to want to head. Now, I don't think anyone should read into the firings in terms of the positions that they coach, Turgovac and McCurley. I saw some speculation on the internet and on Twitter that, Oh, well, the defensive the defensive line and inside linebackers coach, does that mean that they want to go to a 4-3? Well, first of all, you still need a defensive line coach in a 4-3. And you might need more than one linebackers coach in a 4-3-2. Now, a lot of 3-4 teams have an inside backers coach and an outside backers coach. You don't you don't generally have that with 4-3 teams because they only play one inside backer. But there's still usually going to be a guy that runs the linebacker group and an assistant or two and support staff, etc. So I don't think that that there should be anything taken from that. Now, where they go from here is something we've discussed a little bit. Vic Fangio is the most obvious candidate. He is the candidate that I think has the most momentum among fans, at least fans who pay attention to these things. And he's the name that's been put out there. And as I as I mentioned yesterday, the the Fox firing in Chicago does not affect Vic Fangio's status because his contract was already up. He was already free to pursue other opportunities. And I, I think it would be a good fit. He's a 3-4 coach. This is a 3-4 defense. They wouldn't have to change that much. I think they already have some players that fit what he would want to do. They like to play physically at the line of scrimmage in terms of in terms of playing press coverage. 
They run some interesting stunts and games inside with with defensive linemen. Green Bay has excellent athletes there to to do that. I still think edge rusher is is at the top of their priorities list or should be, and they need to get better in in basically every level. And I don't know. I mean, Adrian Amos was not a star until Vic Fangio showed up in Chicago. And all of a sudden, Ryan Pace drafts Eddie Jackson, and he's a star. Now, those guys are both talented players. Eddie Jackson's a rookie, but Vic Fangio put them in a position to succeed. This defense was good without elite talent. Akeem Hicks is really good, and he dominated inside this year and, and deserves credit for that. Leonard Floyd is a very talented outside pass rusher. He didn't have a virtuoso season, and this defense was still really good. And with just, you know, mediocre cornerback talent, they played a lot better. They they had sub, they had, this was sub-replacement level talent at corner last year for Chicago. They they had Marcus Cooper and, and Prince of Mucamara with Fuller, and all of a sudden, they've got a pretty good pass defense. Green Bay has more talent in its secondary than Chicago. At, at corner, anyway. I think Eddie Jackson and Amos are really good. But I think, you know, if you take take the whole defensive back group, I think Green Bay has more talent. I mean, I, I go back to it over and over and over again. This defense has talent. They do. And so to, to come back to this over and over and, and complain about coaching and scheme, I mean, it's it's been frustrating and it has been exhausting for me as a journalist to write about it and talk about it and and tweet about it and think about it and text people about it. It's exhausting. And I'm sure, you know, there'll still be reasons to complain. There'll still be reasons for for nitpicking with whoever they pick and, and whatever happens. The, the nature of this business of pro sports is that we're going to nitpick. And we're going to dissect every move and every decision and every play call. That's our right. It's your right as a fan. It's my right as a, as a journalist and a, and a member of the media, as a guy with a microphone and an internet connection. <laughs> that is my right. They need to get this right. They need to find the right coach. And if that means going off the board a little bit, great. Do that. Find the best guy. Because the defense has talent, it can it can improve, and it can be a swift turnaround. It really can. This team has the talent to be an upper half defense, a top ten defense. I'm telling you, they do. But the the fire Dom and the fire Ted guys on Twitter and girls, they're happy today. But I think we're gonna find out with the new defensive coordinator how much better the Ted Thompson players were than we realized. The Bucks lost a heartbreaker in Toronto on Monday night. DeMar DeRozan went for 50, and the Raptors looked like a legitimate a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference, but the Bucks played them tough. Javari Parker is still not back, so the, the sky is the limit for the Bucks. And for you to stay up to date on all things Milwaukee Bucks, you can do that at Locked on Bucks. They do a great job. They host a great show. I've, I've had a lot of a lot of people tweet me and say, hey, you know, I listen to both shows, love them both for different reasons. I appreciate that, and I, I hope you'll continue to listen to both. But there's there's going to be, look, in two days, look at how much has been out there for us to talk about in the offseason. But the Bucks are actually playing games. 
So listen to Locked on Bucks. Stay locked on Bucks the same way you would stay locked on Packers. I don't understand the outrage at Ted Thompson. I've never understood it. And this move is a risk for Green Bay because Ted Thompson was a very good GM. He was a very good evaluator. He was excellent at managing the salary cap. And I know people will point to to players like Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward. And look, if you draft really good players, at some point you can't sign everyone. And so some people have to be allowed to walk. So if the trade was Micah Hyde had to go so Devontae Adams could be signed... And then they draft Josh Jones, who looks like a talented, young, athletic player. Then that's a trade-off you have to make. If you have to let Casey Hayward walk so that you can sign Corey Lindsley and give Aaron Rodgers the biggest contract in NFL history, then you do that. Ted Thompson is the guy that built the 2010 Super Bowl team. He signed Charles Woodson. He signed Ryan Pickett. He drafted Aaron Rodgers. He drafted Nick Collins and Greg Jennings and Josh Sitton and TJ Lang and David Bakhtiari. I mean, he drafted three all-pro offensive linemen in the fourth round. He drafted four Pro Bowl receivers in the second round. He signed Julius Peppers when a lot of people thought Julius Peppers was done. He is an easy Team Hall of Fame guy. Easy. Easy. Now, he won't go into, I don't think he'll go into the League Hall of Fame. He did not do as much of significance as his predecessor, Ron Wolf, his mentor. But he's a really good GM. I mean, there's only a handful of guys in the league that I think you could reasonably argue have done a better job than him. I mean, look at look at the consistency since 2005. Someone like John Elway, a couple of years ago, they win the Super Bowl and everyone goes, oh, John Elway, he's the best. Now look at it. He had to just decide if he was going to fire a coach he just hired. They don't have a quarterback. They have no long-term future. His greatest accomplishment is the simplest decision he could have made, and that was, hey, maybe we should sign this future Hall of Famer, possibly the greatest quarterback to ever live, Peyton Manning. How much credit does he deserve for that? I think Packer fans have been really spoiled. They expect to go to the Super Bowl every year. They expect to win every year. I get that. You watch Tom Brady and you say, our quarterback is just as good, if not better. Why don't we win every year? I mean, legitimately, Tom Brady has gone to the Super Bowl in half of his seasons. Half. I understand that there have been some misses. Derek Sherrod, Jarrell Worthy, Justin Harrell, Kyrie Thornton, Alex Green, Richard Rodgers. And I totally understand the criticism that there could have been more done on the margins. I mentioned this before the season. Ahmad Brooks, a guy like that, could have been signed in other years. Quinton Dial, who came in and and gave them huge rotational defensive lineman minutes. He was available or a guy comparable every season. How is there not a better backup plan behind Aaron Rodgers? These are all questions that that I think are worth asking. They're worth interrogating. But they don't counterbalance all of the success that he's had. I mean, to draft as well as he has, outside of the first round in particular, to find undrafted free agents, guys like Sam Shields, to manage the salary cap, to continue to build 
a consistent playoff seat, playoff contender when you're paying Aaron Rodgers a huge sum of money. And and the Packers, what Ted Thompson did drafting Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was still the quarterback, was still the governor of Wisconsin, was still playing at a high level, and the Packers were competing. And they were just a player or two away, and, and Thompson had the foresight to say, this guy is our future. And then a few years later, he stood up to Favre, who said, I want to come back, and, and I want the team, and he said no. And he made the right move in bringing in Rodgers, because Rodgers is, is 2008 Rodgers, they don't have a great season, and then 2009, we get Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And the following season, they win the Super Bowl. The year after that, he wins an MVP. That was a difficult choice. It was a difficult situation, and he managed it masterfully. Those are not easy situations to to maneuver, to navigate, and he did it. It's enormously difficult to deal with that kind of stress and pressure with the most important position on the field. And so what's going to happen now? We don't know. I have a feeling we will know sooner rather than later about the the outcome of the GM search. And I have a feeling we will know that outcome before we get to defensive coordinator because that's just, I think it makes more sense that way. I think Mark Murphy did this with a plan and I think he he has an idea of who he wants the next GM to be. There will be interviews obviously because there has to be. That's how this works. They will have to interview minority candidates and... I have a feeling Mark Murphy has a guy in mind. He knows who he wants to captain this ship moving forward. And he's going to give him that opportunity. We just don't know yet. But Mike McCarthy, independent of that, has a year left on his contract. He's got a defensive coordinator that he has to hire. I think he's going to want to do that sooner rather than later. Because if he he nails that pick, if he brings in Vic Fangio, then I think that solidifies his standing within the organization. To say, look, I, I made the change. I've got this new guy, and extend me. We're going to see. We are, the the offseason, I mean, it's Tuesday, and we've already had a defensive coordinator fired, defensive line coach, and and a a GM get transitioned. It's weird. Wisconsin Sports, Doug Melvin did the same thing. This is not as common around the league as it is in Wisconsin. To have two major sport franchises have this happen is is truly bizarre. And I would say it's it's working for, for the Brewers who are, who are working through a rebuild. And I think I think most likely we're gonna see a similar situation where the Packers have a young GM candidate in mind, probably Elliot Wolf. But John Schneider is young too now. And he can be the GM for, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, the way Thompson was. I can't wait to see what happens. And I can't wait to talk with you more about it. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can can mention the podcast at Lockdown Packers. All that's there for you. We're going to have a lot more to discuss the rest of the week. I hope you had a happy new year. 2018 is going to be very different for the Green Bay Packers. They have made that very, very clear. I'm excited to be along for the ride with you. We're going to enjoy it together. And if you have just one New Year's resolution, make it to stay locked on Packers.